Hello, All Beer Inside listeners. Here's the audio from our newest YouTube episode. If you like this episode or the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, or many of the other listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask you to rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you're getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. Today we have traveled south of the border. We are in North Hudson, New York, and joining me is Devin of Paradox Brewing. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, Devin, for hosting us today on this super beautiful day outside, uh, even though thankfully we're a little covered because I burned like a pale ghost. Uh, so I appreciate hearing about Paradox, the beers, and, and everything involved. Uh, you brought me some tasty looking beers here. I'm behind, hiding behind the lineup. What am I starting with? Uh, you're starting with Paradox Pilsner. Okay. Um, we've been making Paradox Pils since day one, starting at our old location. It's kind of a mashup between a Czech and a German style Pilsner. Uses uh, Tetanang and Saz hops. Just a really great drinking beer, easy to put them away, 5% ABV, and awesome. quickly becoming one of our best sellers. As we do, Cheers. a toast. Oh, light crushable. Yeah, dangerous for me. I yeah. sit on a patio. And, uh. it's, fl- it's flying this year, too. Um, we've gotten caught in years past coming into summer, not having quite enough inventory built up. And this is probably one of the first years in maybe two to three years where we've been like, Getting on it like really early before the weather starts getting warm, so we haven't ran out of stock this year yet. Plus, with the last two to three years, with the world half shut down, then open, then closed, and I'm sure that's complicated matters yes. uh, owning a brewery. So, <laughs> just, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what is your role with Paradox Brewery? So, I'm our director of operations and title, uh, which generally means my day to day is kind of doing whatever's needed to to keep keep the facility and keep the place going. Uh, yesterday I was in market selling beer. I work as a relief brewer occasionally. Uh, I work really closely with our advertising and graphic design agency. Um, sweep floors, fix what's broken, you name it, kind of whatever needs to be done. I'm not great with uh, front of house operations because yes. the POS system's gotten a little complicated <laughs> for me to operate, but I can pour a beer. Yeah, that's the important <laughs> part is pouring the beer and getting it to the customer, clearly, so they can enjoy what's here. For sure. Awesome. Uh, and so, how long have you been at Paradox, and, and what is the history of Paradox Brewing sure. that, you, that you're aware of? So this summer, we're actually celebrating our 10-year anniversary, so the brand will have been around for 10 years. I've been here for nine of those 10. Wow. And, uh, you know, kind of our history was, this, this whole enterprise is really born out of like a home brewing problem that kind of got out of control. <laughs> Um, our owner, Paul, was stationed in the army in Germany in the 80s. A similar origin story to a lot of other places, right? He realized that there was more out there to the world of beer, and he really fell in love with, like, German-style lagers and crispy boys. Mm-hmm. Came back home, did the corporate uh, pilot thing for a couple of years, but um, he had a vacation house up here on Paradox Lake. Started home brewing on Paradox Lake. That got a little out of control and kind of always wanted to open a brewery, but never really knew how to do it. Well, when he was retiring from flying, said, this is my shot, I'm going for it, I'm gonna shoot my shot, and started off at our original operation, which was just a little bit farther down the road on Route 9 from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that place was like a 1,400 foot, former gas station, former general store, former bait shop. It was a building that had no business being a brewery, <laughs> but what we were trying to do is kind of create like a proof of concept there, right? So, really small operation, 10-barrel brew house, and all we did there for our first uh, six years was just kind of small batch stuff. We were able to secure some grocery store placements uh, via some contract brewing we were engaging in, 
all in the, uh, with the object to prove the concept that we can sell a lot of beer and we can build a facility, frankly, that has the capacity to actually make mm. money, right? Breweries, brewing's all economies of scale. Um, without a large enough system, it makes it a lot harder to really turn any sort of profit. So we proved the concept down there, built this place out in October of 2019. Uh, is when the first batch of beer ran. Um, late March 2020, the tasting room opened, and two weeks later, the tasting room <laughs> closed. Yeah. yeah that, it yeah. was a great two weeks, though, let yeah. me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, we contacted you in 2019 about setting up an interview. Uh, with, we were speaking with Megan at the time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, come by on a weekday if you can. And we're like, cool, and we'll figure something out. And then the world shut down. Yeah. And I'm like, sitting at home like, Hope I can still get beer, and thankfully, beer is an essential service. So. Right. Yeah, and we were all we were all continuing to work too, all during yeah. COVID, because we were all labeled essential workers. But at least you survived. Yes. Uh, you're clearly thriving, from what I could see. So. We made it. I mean, craft beer changed a little bit. Um, things became a dogfight a little bit. The market's shaken in kind of some weird ways. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot more breweries out there than there used to be. You know, there's more breweries in the state of New York right now than there are Burger Kings. So, you know, we're, we're fighting. I'm so, excuse me, that's actually a national statistic. There's more yeah, breweries yeah. in the country than there are yeah. Burger Kings. I think you're up to like four or 5,000 breweries in the U.S. right now, something uh, like that. N- almost 10,000. Wow. And New York is second in number of breweries only to California, an actual number, second per capita to Vermont. Um, That's yeah, and I think a lot. New, I think New York is going. I think we're in spitting distance of 600 breweries in the state of New York right now. And having something like the New York State Brewing app definitely helps people discover beers for myself. That's how I discovered you guys was through that app. So. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of an aside, but you know part of the reason that we have so many breweries in the state is because we have a really good association um, that you know lobbies for us on behalf of the state government and things like that to mm-hmm. really support us. Were you guys at the Albany State Festival? Uh, oh yeah, back in January, yep. I believe. Yeah. Unfortunately, we missed that one, but we went to the one in Syracuse, and that was like, whoa, this that is one, what it should be. That one's great. Oh, the, the beer festival. Yeah, yeah the so beer festival. Th- that one we do, but we also do, um, the New York State Brewers Association does their trade show in Albany, okay. too, which is similar to, like, the National Craft Brewers Conference, mm-hmm. but it's great because it's always a lot closer. <laughs> we can send, I can send four guys down to Albany yeah. without much fuss, right? Yeah. But sending four guys to Nashville is something else entirely. Yeah, no, an hour and a half down the road versus like a two or three hour flight. Yes, exactly. That, Hotels that's, that's big. while yeah. there's a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> Amazing. So as you mentioned, the uh, original brewer owner is clearly a veteran. Yes. And you're very focused on veteran. I mean, it's clear right here on this beer. We got a couple things going on for veterans okay. uh, at the moment. But yeah, we're a certified veteran-owned brewery, which means basically that we did the paperwork, mm-hmm. right? So we had to prove that... Uh, 51% of our ownership or investors had served in one of the major branches of the military, but you know, they want to know what your rank was, what branch you served in, what years did you serve, um, what, you know, what was your job in the military, did you do this, that, the other thing. They want to know everything. Now, theoretically, this is the federal government. You mm-hmm. think they have this information? And I'm sure it does exist somewhere, but they, they want you to tell them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they don't want people stealing valor, basically, to be like, no, we're totally veteran-owned. Yes, and, and that is, you know, that's kind of a weird thing, because yeah. not we are a certified veteran-owned brewery, and we like to say it's definitely part of who we are, and it's mm. a big part of who we are, yeah. but it's not the only thing that we are as a brand, right? Just for no other reason than that, 
we don't want to engage in that stolen valor thing. But not everyone on our staff is a veteran. No one on our sales force is a veteran, right? <laughs> so it can make it, if you don't like kind of acknowledge that and be really forthright about it, it can make it awkward for the sales guys to go out and sell as a certified veteran-owned brewery where it's like, well, I didn't serve that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we just, we, we are careful about it. We try not to be too in your face about it, but engage in a lot of support. So I can tell you about, you know, it's always products-based for us mm -hmm. for support, right? And there's a couple things we do pretty much every year. I'll start all the way at the end is uh, Patriot Pilsner. And we teamed up with the PGA of Northeastern New York for their Project Hope initiative with that. And what Hope does is it gets uh, disabled combat veterans into adaptive golf. So it's all about them kind of learning the game of golf, but in a way that they can play. And okay. um, they're very cognizant of the Hope Foundation, that is. They're very cognizant of making sure their, their PGA certified instructors get another level, level of certification to teach adaptive golf. Because everyone thinks adaptive golf, you're dealing with a guy who's lost a limb, or a guy yeah. or a lady who may have lost a limb, or maybe is wheelchair bound, but they want to make sure they're cognizant of not all um, injuries can be seen, yeah. right? Sometimes injuries are internal, so really cognizant of giving people the right training and getting them into golf. That's actually our Paradox Pilsner that we white label for them. Uh, we donate a portion of each case sold to the Hope Foundation, and our local distributor, Saratoga Eagle Sales and Service, is matching our donation per case. Yeah, I can imagine too, like PTSD is a huge thing after serving in the military from things I've read, from things I've heard. So it's just, and golf is what not better than golf a common not game relax in any way. Yes. <laughs> so I picked up disc golf during the pandemic and it's like, it's not as bad as golf, but it's just as frustrating. Yeah, you love that game and simultaneously so, just hate yeah, it so. so much. But yeah, it's, it's nice to hear that you are like, we're supporting the troops because most of us were part of the troops, like that yeah. 51%. Yep, so. for sure. So we are doing uh, Patriot Pilsner this year. Generally, that's available at golf courses, right? Okay. The PGA is helping us sell it in. The idea is that goes on the beverage cart. Recently, we released Captain Jack. It's a MyBox style lager. We teamed up with the National Desert Storm Desert Shield War Memorial in Washington, D.C. And they're trying to raise funds right now to build a memorial for mm -hmm. both Gulf Wars um, right next to the Vietnam Memorial, oh. actually. And uh, what we did with that beer was we solicited donations of all the ingredients, so all the malt, all the hops, obviously not water because we're pulling that out of a well, yeah. but all the malt, all the hops, and all the labels. Um, we covered the cans and the labor to go into the beer to try to maximize the donation to the Desert Storm Desert Shield Memorial. Um, so this is in conjunction with them and also Bold Republic Brewing in Texas, um, the woman who owns the place, Captain Jack was her father, and he was actually the first casualty of the first Desert Storm oh. operation. He was a military helicopter pilot. So she came up with this beer to support the building of the memorial, started doing it just with her brewery, and then said, hey, if anybody else is interested, we can spread this around the country. So they kind of write the recipe, we brew the beer, we do our own take on the label, mm -hmm. and get as much money to the, uh, the uh, memorial fund as possible. I'm starting to love seeing all these charity beers that are coming about. Like you mentioned, the two you already do. Uh, and then there's the Pink Boot Society, which is encouraging yep. women in beer. Uh, Brave Noise is women speaking out against, unfortunately, you know, this is predominantly male industry. And crap happens, unfortunately. As I'm using the word crap very lightly here. Yeah. And so it's to support those ladies. Black is beautiful. It's, you know, beer is becoming an important part of society where it comes to uh, donating yeah. and finding a good cause. And clearly... You guys have this cause, but you also have more charitable work you do, right? Oh, my God, tons. So okay. not pictured here in the lineup. Uh, every year we do a collaborative beer with West Point uh, called Go Army Beat Navy. 
we kind of do plant a flag in the sand in that regard. Um, we donate some beer to the uh, Army Navy football game every mm -hmm. year for that. And then also the proceeds of selling that beer go towards building homes for heroes, which builds a uh, new home for a disabled combat veteran every 11 days. So wow. they'll do things like wider doorways, yeah. lowered cabinets, uh, lowered appliances, things like that. Um, away from some of the veterans' causes, in the past we've done beers that benefit pollinators. Um, tons of local work. And then right now we also have out this beer over here called We're All Different and That's Okay. Uh, that benefits the North Country Gender Alliance, which mm -hmm. helps uh, kids who are trying to like come out and like kind of find themselves in the Adirondack Park. Or, well, not necessarily in the Adirondack Park, I should say, in the North Country. Yeah, yeah. Um, with just support. It's basically helping them to build a support network. M more or less above capital region. Yes. Towards the border. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah. No, it's wonderful here. And, and I always, whenever I go to brewery and I see like the charity beer, it's that's first. And then I'll enjoy everything else. Yeah. And oh, if I'm buying some cans, I got to at least buy two of the charity beers because it's, it's so small what I'm doing, but it, it is elating to, to do something. Yeah. Like that, and so. if guys like you didn't buy the beers, yeah. it would limit our ability to make the donations and our ability to raise awareness for these yeah. causes and things like that. So, yeah, it's like a crowdfunding thing, right? Yeah. Every little purchase of those beers helps do something good. Plus, I get a lot less emails from you guys when I buy charity beers than when I actually donate to charity. So. Yeah, exactly. We will not put you on a list. You will not get our newsletter just by buying the beers. Like, I love animals, and I don't donate to the SPCA. I don't need an email every two weeks. Right, yes. so. Awesome. Uh, what's this next beer I'm going to be having here? All right, this is also what I'm drinking, albeit in a larger format, because mm -hmm. I can't put this beer down this summer. Okay. Um, so this is our Great Kolsch Affair Blood Orange. For the past couple of years, we've made the unfruited version of this Kolsch. Um, and this was the first year it actually made it out of the tasting room. So we've been doing full production runs of that Kolsch for the past three years, selling 30 barrels right out our own door. Wow. Every year in August, we do kind of what we call like the beer fantasy draft, where we all sit around and we set, talk about what worked last year, what's kind of coming up trend-wise, what weird ingredient do you want to work with, what silly name do you have for a beer? There's plenty of awful ideas that come out in this process. Too. Every year, too, somebody's feelings get hurt because you're like, we're not doing that. It's just, we're not. It's, I'm sorry, I know you really think it's a good idea, but it's bad. Um, but I said this year, since the Kolsch has been doing so well, let's make it a seasonal. So we did make that a seasonal. We were able to get Hannaford, a local chain of supermarkets, mm -hmm. to bite on bringing it in, which once you got grocery store distribution on a beer, you know you can turn it on yeah. on a regular basis in the brewery. So we were making a lot more Kolsch this year. Being that we were going to make the Kolsch as a seasonal, we decided through talking with our grocery store partners that we should do a variant on it. We came up with Blood Orange just because we thought it would work pretty nicely with the Kolsch base, you know, citrusy. And I'm telling you, man, it's, this beer has been selling better than the Kolsch. Wow. The, un, the unfruited Kolsch. It's, it's not a bad problem to have. No. Awesome. As we do. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. So this isn't like, this isn't like we took our Kolsch and dumped blood mm. orange extract in it. Like this is this liquid has been in the same room as a blood orange. Yeah, no, you. It's can... been in touch with like an actual blood orange, mm -hmm. and we're not going quite to the level of like getting a big crate of blood oranges and juicing them all ourselves. We're buying blood orange puree. We're buying yeah. uh, individually quick frozen blood orange zest, but we are using actual fruit to make the beer, which. You know, um, 
Give, assuming, make sure we don't have that artificial edge. Yeah, I'm assuming you guys are trying to say as local as possible. You, well, it's not, well, you can't really say local yeah. to New York with a blood orange. <laughs> but you're staying in the, the USA, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, most of the, I mean, really all the citrus we have access to in that kind of quantity yeah. basically either comes out of Florida or California. Yeah. Everything, everything below the Mason-Dixon line, I guess. That. Yeah, I, I mean, citrus might even be a little farther south. Yeah, yeah. probably Atlanta yeah. below. Yeah, I'd say that's probably safer. Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow, it, it's not like it's not like punchy, citrusy, like bittery orange. It's, it's a nice no, it's balanced subtle. orange. And yeah. th that's something we do. You'll find that with all of our beers. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to sell you one beer. I want to sell you five beers. Yeah. I yeah. want to keep you coming yeah. back. Or so, if you're driving, one right, beer, one but buy beer. six cans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. I want to get you. I want to get the beer into you as many times as possible. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of the beers we do are an exercise in balance. Even our right. IPAs, we're not the brewery that's selling $25 four-packs of IPAs. Yeah. We're selling $10 or $12 four-packs of IPAs because we like to take a little bit of a lighter hand. Does that lead to us sometimes not getting, like, the ravest reviews yeah. because we're making, like, just sessionable beers? Yeah, sometimes we're not the brewery that's going to make a really loud noise with our product, we like to make something that's really highly, highly enjoyable, highly, highly drinkable. Yeah, for sure. And I've had your beers before, I'm having them again. We're gonna have them after we're done recording. Uh, solid beer so far every time I've had them. So, and I'm sure I've gotten a four pack at least from the craft beer station in just outside of Plattsburgh. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a, uh, I just, I love discovering new beers. That's that's in my nature, and you guys have quite the lineup from You're flagships to seasonals. What made you guys decide like these are going to be flagships, and then these are kind of where our so seasonals are going to go? This is the first time in probably I don't know, maybe like about four years that we've actually engaged in doing like seasonals again. For a long time, beer was what do you got that's new? What do you got that's new? What do you got that's new? And no one wanted to see, you know, a seasonal. Oh, mm -hmm. I've had that already. I'm not putting it back on draft. I'm buying one sixth of that beer. I'm not going to buy a half barrel. I'm not going to rebuy the sixth, you know? And it seems like after COVID, that shifted a little bit. So at the behest of some of our accounts, some of our grocery partners, and also my sales team was like, you need to give me something to build, right? You can't just keep giving me these one and done, one and done, one and done. I need something that I'm going to have for a couple months so I can go out there and really build the following mm -hmm. for that beer. So that spurred us to do more seasonals this year. Also, sometimes these one and done beers, it can be tough to market them adequately, right? You're doing one, it's only gonna be around for a couple of weeks. Well, how much marketing lift are you gonna do on a beer that you know is only gonna be available for let's say two and a half weeks? You don't wanna put a ton of resources into it. So doing seasonals seems like it's gonna be more the way we go probably even next year. And okay. they may not all be like really long seasonals. They might not be like four month blocks, but like probably two month blocks at least, just to kind of make it worth it for us. As our distribution network gets larger too, you know, our local distributor's really good about picking up pretty much everything we make mm -hmm. and getting it quickly. But some of the guys who are a little bit farther afield might need another couple of weeks on yeah. that beer before they can even get a truck up here to do their regular order, because maybe they only come up once or twice a month. Yeah. By doing seasonals or by giving these beers longer in the market, we give them an opportunity to be able to get these beers, sell them, and again, build the market and do the thing. Well, I mean, we're coming up to July, so it's not long till pumpkin ales start showing up not out of this place <laughs> it's it's crazy or winter ales like in september you're like no it's not winter yet our fest doing? our fest so. beer comes out august 15th yeah and that's right in line for oktoberfest and stuff yeah like that, but so. it's like come on 
I'm not drinking fest beers in yeah. August. Like, I'll say here, this is a scoop for all beer inside. <laughs> Paradox Brewery is releasing their fest beer August 15th. I'm not drinking it till September 1st. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right <laughs> yes. to, for some reason. I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to rush the summer away. Yeah, for sure. It's going to snow for six months. Let's enjoy the sunshine yeah. while we got it. Yeah, no, you know, we're just two hours across the border. We know the winter you get here. Yeah. Probably not as severe as we get sometimes. Not but quite as bad. You're covered but... in the mountains. You, oh, yeah. You're in a little pocket, so you're going to get nailed. Yes, and we sure. do actually, it's weird. We get nailed here. Yeah. The way that it's like, we're kind of in like a little bit of like a valley type situation. Yeah. The way the wind blows up between the mountains, we're in like, the brewery's in like this weird snow band <laughs> that just gets creamed. But what ends up happening with all the pine trees is they fall in the power lines. We lose power like oh, all winter. God. It's a good thing it's our slow season. Yeah. Because if, sure. if that happened in the summer, it would totally derail production. Somehow there's an ice storm in the summer. You're like, what's going on? Real bad thunderstorm <laughs> can mess us up. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Weather's just crazy. And when it comes to that, because I know you guys have a natural water source. When it comes to like with everything that's happening, are you still confident in your Adirondack water source of, of yeah. sticking around? Yeah, we've had the well guys out here and okay. they've told us that there is... There is plenty of okay. water down in Good. that well, you know, and brewing's a water intense business, but we have a three quarter million dollar wastewater treatment plant on site um, because we're in the Adirondack Park and there's no sewer service and there's no municipal, town municipal plant. We have to be our own town municipal plant. Mm-hmm. So even though we're a pretty water intense business, you know, the, a lot of the water we use, we're treating on site, getting out into our leach field, which through the natural causes yeah. eventually ends up leach fields over there. Wells over there, hill goes this way. Eventually, all that water trickles through all the natural granite yep. that's here and goes right back into that well. So then you guys barely have to treat your water when you're brewing then? We really, I mean, we don't do any sort of reverse osmosis. We don't do any sort of chlorination or anything of that nature. The only thing we do with our water is a light sediment filtration. And then sometimes we'll add different element or different like minerals and stuff like that into the water if we're brewing different beers, right? Something like Beaver bite, overbite, Boochtronic, a lot of calcium chloride going into that water. Something like Pilsner or Patriot Pilsner, we're hardly doing any mineral additions because we want to keep it really soft. We're doing like just a little bit of gypsum. Okay, awesome. Paradox, pretty unique name. Who created Paradox and, and why is it called Paradox? So we're called Paradox because Paul was brewing on Paradox Lake for okay. the longest time. It naturally lends itself to being a good brewery name. It has an X in it that makes it cool. Um, but also, you know, we've trying to, we're trying to figure out who we are with that a little bit now, and that we're trying to use that to influence the things we do, right? So that can go really, you can go really deep with a paradox, mm-hmm. right? Is it kind of the juxtaposition of sweetness from malt and bitterness from hops? You know, is it making a really loud double IPA, but also making it very sessionable? You know, so it's like, it's, it's the name of the lake, it's where we're from. But also, it's like influences how we do things, right? Yeah, it's, it's the mindset. Yes. You're, you're living in a paradox, and brewing with the science behind it is a paradox in the sense when you think about it. Yes, so absolutely. You're just grabbing water, you're throwing in an organism, you're throwing in some more stuff, it farts out booze, and you're happy. Right. So, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I think I have the shirt, it's like, well, we have to save the water because beer's and water, uh, water's and water's beer. Water's and, and beer. We want our. Uh, you know, whoever said money can't buy happiness is a liar because they didn't clearly buy beer. That's right. So, awesome. You guys have quite the kitchen inside. Oh, yeah. What are, what are, do you guys have food and beer pairings? Do you have waiters and waitresses who make suggestions? Like, yeah, how, so we, how does that we work? have a full wait staff um, that helps our customers inside. Mm-hmm. You can see the outdoor space we're in right now. 
is large enough that we can't really send waiters around constantly. Yeah. So we don't necessarily do like table service outside, but what we do outside is we man two bars. There's a bartender there who can get you your beer. You can go up to the bar and get it. And then, you know, we'll have like little noshy kind of stuff outside, okay. pretzels and things like that. Still, it's... But quite, inside is, yeah. inside available is the full pizza kitchen. Stuff coming off the smoker, which kind of rotates uh, based on, you know, kind of what we do. We're trying to change our menu over around every 10 days or so right mm-hmm. now. So I think this week we're doing chickens, uh, smoked chickens. Next week it might be pulled pork. A couple weeks later it might be brisket, just kind of moving that around. And then the pizza kitchen, you know, yeah. pizza kitchen's a pizza kitchen. I mean, even crossing your border guard, he's like, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to Paradox to interview them. And he's like, oh, have the pizza and grab a beer. We're like, huh? <laughs> so when we, when we were kind of getting the kitchen up and running initially, we ate a lot of pizza because there was a lot of emphasis put on finding it was the dough that mm-hmm. we were looking to do correctly we ended up finding a company in vermont that i believe that makes the dough in vermont but kind of to like the way they would make it down in the city they pay attention to their water profile going into the dough as well hmm. so we can make sure we're like kind of getting that it's all about the crust man yeah it's got to be crispy and you can't over cheese it otherwise that pie ends up floppy yeah you got to be careful with that uh you know and there's, pizza is just such an easy thing to make, and it's, it's one of the more easy. profitable foods it's out there. It's definitely one of the most profitable foods, but it's not as easy. to. It's easy to make, yeah. but it's just as easy to screw it up. Okay. Yeah. And everybody's got, like, one of the dangers is with pizza, too. It's like everybody's got an opinion, yeah. and everybody has a strong opinion, too, on pizza. Well, same thing with beer. A lot of people are yeah. a lot more vocal than you think At about. At the end so. of the beer day, though, if you drink enough of the bad beers, you're going to, like, your mood's going to improve. Yeah. Pizza doesn't necessarily have that euphoric effect <laughs> quite like alcohol does. That's true. And what's some of your favorites right now coming out of the kitchen? Uh, I like our smoked turkey sandwich. I go with that a lot of the time. But, you know, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't not feel like cooking occasionally and bring a pizza home from work. <laughs> I mean, you're here. Why not do it, right? Yeah. So, uh, What's beer number three I got here? Uh, beer number three, you got our latest release, Boochtronic. Okay. Uh, this beer is a full production run as well. Uh, we've been making this beer. This is, I believe, its third year in existence. This is another one that we have a lot of trouble getting out of the tasting room. Um, this one has made it into market but it's limited amounts. It's generally always out for us in the summer, which means we can sell a lot mm-hmm. through our tasting room. But, you know, this is one of those big dippers, man. It's a study in Citra and Motueka. Um, not huge on the alcohol, you know, 6.3%, but very punchy with the hop selection we make. Awesome. A toast. Yeah, it's right up my alley. I mean, I'll, I'll drink almost any beer. Uh, it's very rare that I'll be like, oh, this is gross. Even smoked beer, some people are like, oh, they're gross. I'm like, no, you have to enjoy them in the right place. I don't know about that, so. man. Two things Paradox is not going to be making is a smoked beer and a chili beer. <laughs> not as long as I'm working yeah. here. Although I've had some fantastic jalapeno pilsners, so. Just, I can't abide it. No, it's, it's not for everybody, but it's for me who what likes the, enjoying What would beers. the Germans say uh, if they knew we were putting jalapeno in yeah, well, I mean, if you're going by the Reinskeblad, then yeah, that's one thing, so. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Beer's just so simple, but you can easily overcomplicate it with, like, some of the wild IPAs out there now, and it's just, I, I've had your beaver bite multiple times, and I'm like, this is what an IPA is supposed to taste like for, yeah, for me. Yeah, so. it's not completely juice. There's yeah. a little bit of bitterness there. Uh, I saw on your website you guys do uh, contract work as well. Yeah, we do a little bit of contract work, um, you know, beer clients. Uh, you know, our sweet spot is kind of the smaller brand that's 
looking to dabble in contract brewing, but that doesn't necessarily need like 100 and 300 barrel batches mm -hmm. of beer. You know, the idea is we're kind of that middle ground between either going to a larger contract facility or building out your larger facility. We learned a lot about that from kind of our experience as contract brewing. Uh, when we were with Two Roads, make, they were making our product, allowed us to get our grocery store authorizations. And, uh, you know, we kind of tried to use what we worked on with them to influence how we do things, albeit on a much smaller scale. Mm -hmm. So if like, let's say an influencer were to come in and have the funds and be like, I want to make my own beer, come on in? Yeah, sure. So, totally. That's awesome. Love hearing that. Totally. I mean, we have minimums, right? Yeah. You, you got to make it worth me putting you on our paperwork, our production manager getting you into the schedule, uh, scaling up the recipe. Like it's got to, the juice has got to be worth yeah. the squeeze, but our minimum is 420 barrels a year, Okay. which represents turning our brew house over an average of once a month. That's, that's nothing when you think about it. Right. So that's not bad at all. If you can't sell that amount of beer, I, maybe it's not time for you to contract. Yeah, for sure. uh, we're starting to notice uh, as a beer show, quite the rise in hard seltzers. Uh, how, do you guys, how do you guys find you're adapting to, to the rise of the popularity of the seltzer? Yeah, so we had, we've had our own uh, seltzer brand, Vaporwave. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the most 80s seltzer in the game. Uh, we've had that from pretty early on uh, when seltzers first started. And we've been developing that product over the last couple of years. We don't do a ton of sales with it, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. Um, the market's kind of flooded for like small seltzers, especially, you know, the space is really dominated by White Claw and the big guys and stuff like that. I think there's room in the seltzer space still for that long tail, right? And if you have a product with a story, a product with some special ingredients, I think, there's, I think you can get somewhere. Full disclosure, and maybe I shouldn't even be admitting this, but All Beer Inside's getting all the scoops today. Um, we haven't really done that with our seltzer and made you know, a great story and this, that, and the other thing, but we need a seltzer to yeah. sell in the tasting room that's gluten-free. This one tastes amazing. It tastes like a high-chew candy. But, you know, it's not necessarily our thing. We do a lot of contract seltzer work, though. Okay, okay. And some of the brands we've worked with, one of them is very tied up in being from New York City. They're called Queensy. Um, Q-S-N-Y, like Queens, yeah. New York. Yeah. They're kind of like cocktail-based seltzers. And, uh, but a lot of their branding is New York-focused, and they've done well because of that, because they have a story to tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, another brand that we don't work with currently, but that we did for a while was called uh, Lunar Hard Seltzers. And they did a line of Asian American inspired flavors in their hard seltzers. So they were doing things like yuzu and plum mm. and things like that. So, you know, really, if there's a story to be told, you have a niche market to focus on, you can do something with seltzer. Yeah. But if you say, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to take on White Claw, you're not Mark Anthony Group's the third biggest brewing company in the country right now, and all they're making is White Claw. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get it, man. We uh, we tried them as a group, and I'm just like, all I taste is chemical. Like yeah, it's, it's not. This honestly, craft beer has ruined me for basic beers because yeah. I can just taste the chemical. I can taste the the additives. I can taste the preservatives, and I still don't with these. I know the shelf life is a lot shorter, and. I got to buy more to support local, which is I'm all this is what the show is about, which is I'm about is supporting local. But I'd rather pay for a premium product than enjoy it. And you know, not shelf life isn't necessarily shorter yeah. without additives. Our lager beers, we give 180 day code to anything yellow. So Pilsner, uh, Hellas Pilsner, uh, not blood orange Kolsch, but our regular Kolsch, our daughter white lager will get uh, 180 days. You know, we invested in enough technology where our, 
uh, total package oxygen levels are extremely, extremely low. These beers aren't hopped so highly to the degree that you're gonna just lose all the hop character and be mess left mm -hmm. with just like kind of a malty mess. These beers hold on a little bit longer, and we've been like slowly and carefully like upping the code dates on these through, frankly, drinking beers that are abused. We put them in the incubator, okay, and okay. like cook them for a couple days and then chill them back down to do like a forced aging test, and. As we get better and better using our new equipment, we figured out, hey, we can give these loggers a longer run, mm -hmm. and our wholesalers love that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because it's easier for them to just pick up once instead of over and over exactly. and over. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's, I'm sure there's a cost analysis of them right. doing it. Too, oh, I so. know. I can drop Paradox Pilsner into maybe an account that doesn't see quite as much foot traffic now. Mm -hmm. Maybe moves a little bit slower, and I know maybe it'll take them a while to sell that case, but the beer will be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm always worried is certain beer stores just don't check their dates of the beers. And it's like, oh, come on. And then I don't check it myself because I'm like, oh, I got to buy stuff quick and go. And that screws me. got to so, slow down the yeah. beer store. Uh, you guys have quite the amount of events, too. I've seen open mic nights, local bands, release date events. Like, yep. What, what made you guys decide to focus on like having so many events here in this space? Yeah, so there's a couple things. Obviously, our margins are higher in the tasting room, right? We make more money here than we do selling beer to wholesale and even doing events in market. Mm -hmm. But just creating events in general, we're, we're not in a location that gets a ton of foot traffic. No one's happening upon Paradox Brewery, <laughs> right? You have to know that there's something going on. So we want to attract people from the surrounding area, right? We want to attract you guys coming down from the border in the northern parts of New York. But really, you know, also out of the capital region, coming up out of the Hudson Valley, mm -hmm. even people places farther away that maybe have vacation homes or are vacationing up here from New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, places like that. But we got to give them something, right? So you got to have something going on. Oh, Paradox has live music. You know, we'll be up there for vacation. Let's check them out. Mm -hmm. no, that's awesome. And, you know, having those open mic nights, it's maybe you're discovering the next they said Taylor Swift or something, for all you know. So <laughs> we have we have some good acts. I don't know about the next Taylor Swift, but we'll see. Yeah, if we for, get royalties. Yes. Yeah, that's that, that'd be great. <laughs> um, as for the outdoor space, have you guys ever considered, you know, how hosting a wedding or anything like that? Look around. Yeah, we have a wedding booked uh, at the end of the summer, which Amazing. is kind of what spurred the upfit of the space we're in right now. We get requests constantly for hosting re weddings, retirement parties, rehearsal dinners. Kids' birthday parties, oddly enough, have been somewhat popular, and I think that's more due to like the amount of space, because mm -hmm. I don't think they're here for the beer, but maybe the adults are. But all kinds of stuff, right? And enough requests came in that was like, we kind of have to do this. Yeah. yeah it's the same thing as you're mentioning, like cost analysis. It's, we're going to make money if we do this. Right. And that's the important part is paying your staff, keeping as many people on staff as possible, especially with how crazy the world's going on right now, is we got to keep these people here and happy. Yeah, so, the I'm only thing is you got to get through construction yeah, before any yeah. of that profit matters. Yeah. That's the hard part. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that later on about what's, what's the future of Paradox Hold. Um, I also noticed the, it's called the Handle Barley yep. in September. Yep, so we actually do a collaborative glass with them a lot of the time, and everybody will kind of start, their, start and end their ride here. We'll be buying pints for anybody participating. And, yeah, uh, I think that partnership's going into its third, second or third year. I can't remember exactly yeah. on that one. It, uh, from what I saw, it looked like a two-day event on the website, and it looks very popular from, the, uh, from your social media presence of the people I see attending. 
it looks like it's a pretty good attendance from what I'm seeing. For sure, and it's a great area for cyclists yeah, to uh, ride. It's, right there. It's it's hilly a so, little. It's yeah. a little hilly, so it's not like an easy flat ride. But you know, great views. Yeah. Relatively uh, roads that are generally a little quieter, which is nice when you're riding. Yeah. Oh, the nine's a great road to drive on. I've done it a bunch. I've legit drove it from Shazy all the way to Saratoga on the nine because I'm like, I don't feel like doing the 87 today, so. It's, uh, it's for a nice punishment. scenic route. It's not like, it doesn't feel like just highway, but then even just highway, I find the state of New York and Vermont, they're just beautiful views to, for you're sure. taking on the 87 or the 89. It's Especially just, when you're up here. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Adirondacks until you hit the capital and then it's like, eh. yeah, I was going to say views then, fall off a little bit yeah. after Saratoga, but. But then after Albany, you have the Catskills coming up and stuff and you're like, right. oh, nice views again. But then so. you're, but then you're in the Hudson Valley. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is quite the trip. It, you know, anybody who's coming down from Montreal to New York, this is the highway you take. Stop for a beer on the way. This is it's, the spot to stop. This is a good place to stop for lunch. If the border's too busy and you're stressed out, noon, yeah, right we here. Can, we can relax. So, you. yeah, just enjoy a beer outside. So, awesome. And I mentioned that your social media presence is becoming stronger from what I've seen the last couple of years on the website from when we first tried to book the interview to us finally getting to do this today. Yeah. Your online media has really jumped up. Uh, how, how'd you come about that? It's a, well, it's about a couple different things, right? You always want to get better. It's about continuous improvement and always mm -hmm. doing everything, figuring out how to do it a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, kind of every day, really. The big shift with social media came about right when COVID started. We quick, pretty quickly realized that everything's going to get shut down. We're not going to have bars and bartenders to talk about our product for us. Um, you know, we're going to have limited interaction at beer stores. Samplings are gone. Mm -hmm. We need to find a way to reach our customers in a very, you know, thought out and deliberate way. So during COVID, we not only didn't lay anybody off, but we hired. And we hired our first social media marketing manager. And she took us from a place where we weren't to a place that we surely needed to be, right? We had multiple people doing the Facebook. Nobody knew who was answering. Nobody knew who was writing the post. You know, the whole thing. This is true across all channels, but I'm going to cherry pick Facebook a little bit. <laughs> um... So it quickly became evident that, you know, we needed to do something. We, Meg worked with us for years, and then we decided that Meg was leaving us to go kind of do a freelance thing. And we said now is the time to kind of do the next evolution on that. And we just hired our first uh, advertising and design agency who has like over a 20-person team that's now helping us with our kind of outbound campaigns. We're still very much in the driver's seat. Um, it puts me on Zoom a minimum of once a week now just to kind of make sure everything's going right you know here's the posts for the next 10 days all of these need to be either you know approved or mm -hmm. edited so there's a little bit more uh it's been made to be more a little bit more deliberate right but i think we're getting a lot better results because of it you know we hired these people to do professional videography product photography which we were dabbling in product photography mm -hmm. before but we went from somebody who likes to take photos in-house doing it to hiring a freelance product photographer to getting in with the agency. Yeah. So it's all kind of just going in that stepwise fashion to get better and better. Yeah, I'm sure like with your current person too, you never thought about like maybe including a beaver with the beaver bite and you're like, oh, okay, well this, they yeah. somehow have the beaver crushing the can perfectly in a photo. That's and... kind of what you hire them for, <laughs> yeah, right? Is so. you hire this 20 person team. Yeah. You kind of just hire them for ideas. I mean, intellectual yeah. property is their, that's their trait. It's, it's amazing what some people were able to shift to. And you guys hiring during the pandemic, that's huge. So that's had to be, not had many to be done. Do. I, won't, I so. will not tell you it's 
it was easy or no. that it's been easy, but sometimes it's got to be done. And then through your website, did you guys have like an online sales portal for people who want to pick up? We, nev we never went direct to customer. Okay. We did allow beer pickups if you kind of called in or emailed in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our wholesale uh, supplier partner relationships are something that's like really important to us. Yeah. And it's a lot of how we're able to build this place is because okay. of that wholesale uh, sales thing. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cut these guys out. They got staff. They got drivers, they got salespeople, they got admin, they got staff they need to hire, and they rely on our products, mm -hmm. you know, them making money on our products to be able to do all of that. And if that tier went away, we'd have to pick up the slack, yeah. and I don't want to be a beer wholesaler. Do you guys have, like, a mug club or anything like that? We like, do have a okay. mug club, yep. It's called the Interior Outpost Society because, you know, it's a paradox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interior outposts are also available in the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm. So when you're hiking, you can get into one of the lean-tos, which the forest rangers call interior outposts. And, uh, yeah, it's, I believe we're up to 175 a year. Gets you a 20-ounce pour for a 16-ounce price. Free beer on your birthday. Some swag. And uh, we throw a banger of a mug club party every year. That's awesome. I love, I love places that have that kind of stuff. Membership so. is still open for the mug club. We had it. We used to have it closed like just before summer. Mm -hmm. And we realized that like the throngs of summer crowds would come up and all of these people would be like pretty upset <laughs> that they couldn't get in the mug club. <laughs> so one year we started like making some exceptions for people who like really like stated their case well. Mm -hmm. And then we were finally like, why are we, why are we doing this to ourselves? Just run it, just run open enrollment for longer. Yeah, it sounds like you're almost cutting yourself off at the knees for no reason. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have that we have that realization sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's a paradox. Why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's a paradox in itself yep. when you think about it. So. This is causing us hardship, and we did it to ourselves. <laughs> what are we doing? It was like scaling back our menu. We used to have a huge menu, and we were having trouble staffing the kitchen, and the kitchen was getting stressed out, and the servers were getting stressed out. Like, why don't we just scale back the menu and rotate it? And everybody's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And the customer's like, oh, this is fun. The menu's yeah. changing. And I'm like, is everyone happy right now? Yeah. Why didn't we do this a year ago? For sure. I got one last beer here. So what am I having here? You are drinking the industry. Okay. Um, and bold statement. You heard it here first on All Beer Inside. <laughs> Not all IPAs have to be hazy. Yeah. They can be no. clear. They used to be clear, as a matter of fact, kids. Yeah. Um, but the industry, it's our take on a West Coast-style IPA. And I'll, I'll be forthright. We didn't go totally West Coast. Mm -hmm. We didn't go enamel-stripping, resinous, bitter with it. Because I still need you to buy two or three of them yeah. at the end of the day. And you don't want, uh, what is it, bitter beer face, I believe? Yes. Called, so. Oh, man. That's a big throwback. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that beer's taken a little while to take off for us. It is one of our one-and-dones. Um, we first kind of brought it into market and released it, and it was like, stumbling a little bit right it was trying to like get its legs under it and all of a sudden our local wholesaler took on a, a second order of it and it seems like every bar is putting it on now and it's like okay huh. so maybe it just needed a little bit of time similar to like our seasonals yeah it needed some time to get out there for people to try it for it to get its legs under it awesome so you, yeah and that's why we end this you with great. that one a little yeah. more bitter definitely more hot presence yeah, but that's not like, like I said, bitter beer face. Right. It's, I mean, for me, you know, there's but, people who are not IPA fans, which I... This is not for the non-IPA yeah, fans. Yeah. It's like, okay, well... Booch, you could potentially... Yeah. You could, like, convert a non-IPA fan with Boochtronic. Yeah. You're not converting somebody with the industry. They're yeah. going to buy that because they know that they like 
IPAs that are a little bit I more bitter. I find your Beaver Bite 2 would be a good introduction, introduction to slowly getting somebody into an IPA. For sure. So More maybe traditional type of yeah, IPA. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to mention earlier, you guys are very dog-friendly for what I'm seeing. I see for a sure. garbage can with the poopy bags. Yep, and they're all over. Big open area, uh, yep. two dogs roaming around freely. So. Yep, that was, that was Sam and all over here earlier for their cameo. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely dog-friendly. We can't... The health department won't allow us dogs inside, but the pavilion, yeah. both pavilions and the lawn are fair, fair game for dogs and all the decks. Yeah. I say decks now because now yeah. there's multiple. They even got like the water station where you could easily fill up the dog bowl and everything. Yep. It's, yeah. And I just went around this morning. I went and found all like the loner dog bowls and poured them out <laughs> and ran them through the dishwasher yeah. so we're ready for the busy weekend. Yeah. Plus those are just festing grounds for mosquitoes. And yes. That's exactly. going to happen here. So. Amazing. Uh, before we end this, what's the future for Paradox? I mean, we touched on some of the stuff kind of during the interview, mm -hmm. right? Where it's changing around the kind of the way we do our product portfolio. So look for more beers in the coming years from us that are going to stick around in market for mm -hmm. a little while. They won't necessarily be flashes in the pan. Obviously, we're still building. We haven't stopped building this place since construction started. This new pavilion that we're sitting in right now is going to be all enclosed with windows along the outside and be available for your events. We did just finish the deck off the pavilion. Um, within the next couple of years, our lower pavilion will be getting finished in a similar fashion to this, and probably the bandstand within a couple of years after that. But some of the big things going on this year is uh, ahead of our 10-year anniversary, we're doing a complete rebrand. Oh, okay. We've developed a new logo for the, for the brewery. Um, all of our labels are getting redone, and that's going to kind of all kick off on July 29th with our 10-year anniversary party. Uh, that's when we'll be revealing the new logo, the new look and feel, and tons to come after that. We're still early days. All we've done so far is pick the logo. Yeah. So we haven't even done any label work yet. That actually doesn't start till next week. Plus, you have the other side is that maybe additional spill-on parking at some point if it's required. We, yep, we have, par we have three acres across the street from our main 15-acre mm -hmm. property that we can turn into a... Uh, parking lot we're currently building a salt structure over there for when we have to do all of our parking here at the brewery it yeah. turns out to be a lot of salting and sanding everywhere so yeah i mean and who knows what projects we'll come up with when things are a little bit slower over the winter that's when kind of ideas tend to manifest for us it sounds like there's a big future at paradox for for you guys yeah from we, hearing, we so. surely hope so you know uh we'll be we're circling the wagons right now because the beer market's a little bit tough out there but we're really focusing on new york going really deep into our new york market starting next year we'll be looking to trickle out a little bit more just a couple of states left and right type thing contiguous yeah got it as territory's got a touch yeah 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 plus it's just easier yeah <laughs> so. for sure yeah, and I understand the U.S. is, I mean, it's not as bad as we are in Canada where your beer can't cross a provincial or state border, or it's a yeah, li but little easier. It's a little easier, but you got to be privy to the laws yeah. in that state. Yeah. And what ends up being weird is, like, your go-to-market strategy has got to change yeah. depending on the state. Like, you go into New Jersey, we can't do what we normally do, which is, like, get a grocery store online for mm -hmm. volume. There's no big win like that in yeah, New Jersey. So now we got to figure out something else. Start at, like, smaller gas station type thing. And right, work your way but out. it ends up being weird. Yeah. But still, it's, you guys sound like, you know, you just don't want to stay in the Adirondack Essex County. You guys want to get out there. So. Oh, no, we're going. Yeah. We're going awesome. places. Love hearing that. Devin, thank you very, very much for our talk today. I really Absolutely. appreciate you taking your time out of your very clearly busy schedule <laughs> to uh, speak about Paradox Brewing, the history and, and the beer and everything um, behind it. I look forward to grabbing a meal and a beer after. For those who are looking for Paradox or watching the channel, where can they find you? Uh, all around 
New York State, really, from the Canadian border all the way down to just north of New York City. And we go as far west as Syracuse, and we go all the way up to the Vermont and Massachusetts border on the east side. Um, also, there's a brand finder on our website. So if you go to paradoxbrewery.com slash brand finder, uh, you can just type in your zip code wherever okay. you live or happen to be, set your radius, and it'll pull up everything that's available. And your social media handles? Uh, at Paradox Brewery, all across. Amazing. All that's going to be in the show notes. As for us, allbeerinside.com is the website. At allbeerinside on all social media. And as I say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap.